I'm Rachel Amaday. So excited to be with you all today. It is the midst of kind of a holiday week. I um, am someone who are in and our family. We celebrate Hanukkah, um, but we do it a little bit differently than maybe traditional uh, Judaism kind of calls for. We talk a lot about the history of this particular holiday and all of the incredible prophetic meaning that is attached to it, but the way that it's treated in a lot of ways in our home is often like a national holiday um, and one that is very much about freedom, but it can teach a lot. And so that is our topic for today. I wanted to send this out this week in the midst of the Hanukkah week um, or eight days because I thought maybe a few of you would actually be interested in celebrating and and or teaching it to your family because it is a fascinating history lesson. And again, it, it kind of is a mini... Um, I guess, fulfillment of small amount of prophecy from Daniel 9, although a small, I would call it like a microcosm of the macro thing that's going to happen in the end times. It's cyclical. It's almost like it's some of this stuff will happen twice, but it's very, very interesting. And there's a good Bible lesson in this as well. First, I just want to say thank you for listening. It's the end of the year. I am reflecting back on this last year. Starting this podcast was daunting. Uh, and I was terrified and, and I was, would listen to some advice from people who started in radio. And I think I mentioned this one person said, you know, spend like six months doing the podcast all by yourself before you have any guests. And I thought, well, that sounds like a great, uh, piece of advice, but also you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) How am I going to entertain people all by myself, not asking any other questions? How am I going to be a good educator? And yet here we are, I have done um, a number of months now alone, and I hope that it has brought you great lessons, great teachings, maybe some inspiration, hopefully information you didn't already have, and um, that this has been a blessing. So thank you for listening. I pray that your new year is beautiful and filled with blessing. All right, let's talk about what is Hanukkah. So we'll do a quick history lesson And then we'll get into how we celebrate it and maybe give you some ideas as well. So in 330 BC, Alexander the Great conquered Jerusalem. But he was kind of an interesting ruler in that he allowed individual states to continue autonomously. So the Jews could continue to practice their religious practices and and their faith. And and they were so comfortable, actually, that they did over time become fairly Hellenized in the process and did kind of abandon some of their walking with the Lord, as always seems to happen, not only with the nation of Israel throughout Scripture, but with every group of people that claims the Judeo-Christian belief system. It's like we just spend more time falling away than we ever do spend in actually walking out the righteousness of God. So that shouldn't be surprising that that took place. That seems to be what takes place. A few centuries later, a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes took over, and he was very different than Alexander the Great. He really wanted the Jews to conform. He didn't want these autonomous regions. He wanted everyone to practice the same. And so he placed... um, 
it to start. I mean, he placed a Hellenistic priest in the temple and then began mass persecution and massacres of the Jews. In 167 BCE, he erected an altar to Zeus in the temple. Now, this is where we start to get into how this story resembles some scriptural prophecy. Because he he erected this altar to Zeus in the temple. This is very much one, one thing the Antichrist is prophesied to do um, in the latter days, in the very end times, actually. So there's a story here, in fact, that one of the officers um, required a priest to sacrifice a pig on the altar in the temple to Zeus. Now, at this time, there were a few groups who opposed Antiochus and what he was doing, the original group of Pharisees, and then there was a guy named Judah Maccabee. So these two groups and the, and the Maccabees, these two groups began to fight back. Um, Judah ends up killing the man who sacrificed the pig on the altar in the temple, as well as the officer who had required it. And then he runs, he gets out of Dodge, right? Because of what he's just done. And while he runs, while he's in kind of this exile, he organizes an army. This is kind this reminds me of, uh, you know, the so-called army we had at the Revolutionary War, you know, ragtag farmers and shepherds and they weren't organized like the Romans. This was not some great army. This was just a group of really passionate people who wanted to retake the temple and um, who were horrified at the desecration that was taking place. They eventually do defeat Antiochus, and then they rededicate the temple after it was had been so defiled. This was an eight-day process and an eight-day celebration and rededication. Okay, so scholars believe that those eight days were chosen because in the Jewish community, Sukkot is the favorite or one of the favorites, if not the favorite holiday out of all of God's commanded holidays. And even to this day, I would say Sukkot is one of our favorite holidays. You know, it's this amazing time of camping outside and being with others. It's eight days long, which you're almost like, I can't celebrate any longer by the time it's over, you know, it's, it's a long celebration, but it's so wonderful. And there's this wonderful connection to nature. And there's this connection to the God with us concept, the Emmanuel God that um, came once on the earth. It's very likely he came around Sukkot. That's when his birthday likely was, and he will return and he will return in the fall to be God with us. And so it's a favorite, it's favorite holiday. And so that eight days inspired the eight day Hanukkah celebration. But we really do have a prophetic mini picture of the Antichrist and Yeshua's return in this Hanukkah story. So I think about Judah Maccabee, they they called the Maccabees, the ha- it was the nickname, the hammer. Okay, because this guy was really righteous, like zealous righteousness, for the Lord. And he kind of reminds me, there's a story in scripture where um, there's people in Israel who are greatly rebelling. And to the point where there's a couple that decides to have um, intercourse, like right at the, the, the front, the tent of meeting. And a young man, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he goes and he kills them both. And this was considered a righteous act because what was happening was so defiling 
to the community and to the holy temple. And he was like, I can't take this. This is wrong. He was righteous in his action. Judah is the same here. You know, he's like, you, you cannot sacrifice a pig on the temple altar to Zeus, you know, and kills the two involved with it. Um, but even the name Judah, you know, I think about in scripture, a lion from the tribe of Judah, that our lion is going to return to us one day from the tribe of Judah. Jesus, that's the tribe that Jesus was from. And so he, our rescuer, is going to come back and rescue us from the spirit of the Antichrist at the very end of the age. And um, the other prophetic pieces, and there are many more, actually, but we know from Daniel 9 that the Antichrist will set up an idol in the temple and will desecrate the temple with it. Uh, We know that Josephus, the Jewish historian, wrote that Antiochus put a stop to the temple sacrifice and persecuted the people harshly for three and a half years. Well, that's exactly what the final Antichrist is going to do. He's going to stop the daily sacrifice. So this is how you know exactly the Antichrist is when that happens. And he's going to have a time period of heavy persecution and tribulation that will be three and a half years time. So we have all of these incredible similarities between the story of Hanukkah and the future story of the Antichrist and Christ's return. I also think it's really interesting. So the symbol of Hanukkah is a Hanukkah. I guess it's a version of the menorah, but I would not call it a menorah. Menorah is seven candlesticks. This one has nine. It has eight on either side of a middle candle that is taller than the rest. The eight candles represent the eight days of rededication of the temple, the eight-day celebration. The middle candle is called the shamash candle, which means servant candle. And I really think that whoever created this thing, um, there's there's a Holy Spirit connection here of just understanding that the middle candle uh, is Christ, obviously. The servant candle is the one that lights all the other candles. So you light the middle candle and then that one lights the others. You know, God and the Holy Spirit, they are our light. They're the ones that um, anoint our heads with oil, fill our cup with oil, and give us the light. And so there's a beautiful picture of Yeshua in the Hanukkah, but it isn't necessarily um, a biblical dictate to celebrate this holiday at all or in any particular way. We do see Jesus in Jerusalem during the Feast of Dedication, according to scripture. And I think we're told that because he was there in celebration, like alongside everyone else. And so I do think that Jesus observed Hanukkah. So um, it is something that we can observe and not feel badly about it. Is it one of the seven feast days of the Lord? No, it's not listed there, but it does give us some really interesting prophetic insight. It's a really important historical story. This story of the Maccabees here happens in between the Old and the New Testament, and that's why we do see Jesus observe it, because this celebration was established before Christ's birth. So, um, And it had incredible national meaning and significance because it was freedom. It was just like our Revolutionary War. We were freed from religious and other persecution from Great Britain, taxation, all of that. 
Well, the Jews were freed from religious persecution here. And we do, I know believers in this country feel that religious element to our founding. You know, they really feel that God helped us win that revolutionary war. There was no chance we had at all. Were it not for France, we probably would have failed, right? There are all of these coincidences and things that take place that were just miraculous help for the United States of America. I think also it's interesting to note that at our founding, the very first kind of Thanksgiving dinner was likely a Sukkot. This is not only based on the group of of pilgrims that were here at the time and how they, many of them, at least according to some of the sources I've read, lived in Jewish communities in Europe before they came over. But there's also um, something called the Decalogue Stone here in the United States, which is basically uh, an ancient Hebrew list of the Ten Commandments that was found here. And so there is this concept that part of the 10 tribes that were scattered, you know, we got the Native Americans that are here from those scattered tribes. And some of the early Native American tribes, not only do we know that um, some of them were Christians, but that they might have been part of the 10 tribes. And this is why I believe we see some of the tribes have some very similar practices to ancient Hebrews. Um, There's kosher killing going on and and a respect for animal life going on. There's also the great spirit concept going on. Now, obviously, other things got mixed in. I'm not saying that Native Americans worship the same God we do today or even in the last couple of hundred years, but I am saying there's some interesting roots that we have found here in the United States um, among Native American tribes that suggest that they may have known and understood um, biblical things. And I think the Decalogue Stone is one very interesting piece of that history. And so you had Christians who likely celebrated some of the feast days, both on the Native American side and on the pilgrim side, coming together in the fall for a Thanksgiving meal that was very much likely Sukkot. So we have an incredible, I think, I think we can relate to the story of Sukkot as Americans. I think we can relate to the idea of religious persecution and gaining freedom through unbelievable means and then giving glory to God for that. We have this understanding here, this relationship to this. So Hanukkah is could be a natural outpouring of understanding just how good God is in rescuing his people. You know, um, I think it's also a good story to remind us that any time that the people of God fall away from him, you know, these Jews before the time of the Maccabees, they had been very Hellenized and they really weren't keeping everything of the Lord. But that falling away caused them to be taken over, you know, over time. And this is what is happening, I believe, in the United States and globally. We are seeing the fall of a commitment to the Lord in the last 70, 80 years in this country. And probably before that, much, much longer even. But I think it's really come to light for me looking at the last 70 to 80 years of the country and just seeing how people slowly but surely walked away from godly things and biblical principles. And now what is happening? I think we are starting to see the beginnings of a painful process where people will make their choice. 
where it will no longer just be giving in here and there. Oh, the church still says they love God. They don't live like it, but you know, it's still kind of a mishmash. We've got one foot in and one foot out. God doesn't like the one foot in, one foot out thing. You're either all in or you're out. And so we are being given a much more clearly defined decision now as a nation. Who do we serve? What, where is our heart? And, and I'm really hoping believers are turning back to God's things so that God can bless our nation. This is the story of nation after nation after nation. What we seem to be seeing in the media and culture and the education system and the legal system, we seem to be seeing insanity moving away from godly things, moving away from sane ideas and sane principles and and even safe ideas or safe principles for human beings. So I'm not sure if the church is doing their job, but the Hanukkah story is that great reminder that even if things go horribly wrong, even if you know we are facing the Antichrist, keep the hope, stay the course, because your lion is coming coming back for you and is going to rescue you. And so there's so much hope in this story. There's so many lessons in this story. I would encourage you to uh, talk to your kids about this. You know, have a dinner and talk about the meaning of Hanukkah and what the story really is and the historical significance. Get yourself a book of Maccabees. One story that inspires me every year in I haven't done all of the look, you know, kind of the historical accuracy piece of each version of this these stories, but you know, there's a mother who has these seven sons and you know, they won't conform. And so she is being basically part of her torture is to watch each one of her sons be tortured unto death. But the story is that she inspires them all. She reminds them that there's a place for them in heaven, that they will face their king one day. And each of them gives this beautiful speech before they're tortured and killed. And it gets down to the last young boy. And I think the leaders think, oh, he'll give in. You know, she'll never watch her very last son go. And she pulls him aside and she doesn't tell him to give in. She tells him to stay strong and to meet his brothers in heaven. And that's exactly what happens. You know, you hear these stories where they're being boiled alive and ripped apart limb from limb. All because they won't eat pork at the time. They didn't want to change their Sabbath day. And they weren't going to bow down and worship Zeus or Antiochus. For these small things that any other human being would say, I'll do that to save my life. They stood up. And they were the inspiration for the revolt that led to freedom for so many. These are good stories for believers who are looking towards the end, who are looking at the culture, who are wondering what it will cost them to stand. It may cost everything. And that is what you have to be prepared for. But what is awaiting us, if that is the case, is unbelievable glory with our Heavenly Father. I think we need stories like this because things seem very dark. Things seem very hard, very challenging. It seems like there's one person after another dying or becoming ill, doesn't it? 
It just seems like a lot of darkness and wickedness has taken over in our country. And yet, Adonai sees all of it. And he has not forgotten the many saints who have been martyred in his name from the past, nor will he forget you when you stand for him publicly, when you enact righteousness in the face of compromise. Jesus says, whoever proclaims my name to others, I will proclaim his name to my father. That will take place. Be encouraged. I would encourage you to read some of these stories from this time period, to look at the history of it, to understand what so many other brothers and sisters have gone through for the name of the Lord God Almighty in the past and be inspired in your daily life to continue to preach the gospel and to be a light. Now, as for celebrating the holiday, we do um, use a Hanukkah. We do that just because it's actually really wonderful to have candlelight at dinner every night. And we talk about the stories and it kind of gives us a centerpiece and this beautiful reminder. We decorate a little bit for Hanukkah as well. Um, We don't do some of the traditions of fried food and that sort of thing. Number one, I don't like to make fried food. It's a pain in the butt. But also, I'm you know, the fried food, that's a man-made tradition. You don't have to do that. You don't have to eat donuts. You you don't have to do that stuff. But we do read the story. We talk about it. We talk about the biblical um, prophetic meaning in it. We talk about, we we make these comparisons between these saints and the future saints, the end time saints. And um, we, we just enjoy our time celebrating alongside, you know, our, our brothers from the other tribes. We've got Judah and Benjamin, you know, we've got the Jews who celebrate this, this time of year, and they understand the story. Uh, we also sometimes play the dreidel game because it's a fun game. And listen, if you are doing alternative holidays, uh, to the culture, I'm a big fan of making them a good time, <laughs> right? Have some fun, especially if you have kids, because when everybody else is talking about Santa Claus coming down the chimney, when your kids are like, yeah, I'm not getting any of that, you know, I don't do a replacement holiday for Christmas. I, I, we definitely, we did all a bunch of gifts at Sukkot. We're not doing, you know, huge, huge gifts, um, huge gift giving at uh, this time of year. But I do think you should enjoy the holidays, right? You should enjoy the time that you spend together, the way we enjoy uh, 4th of July and we enjoy birthdays, right? And so um, we try to enjoy Hanukkah a lot. And um, and we don't, but we don't hold true and fast to any, uh, any particular tradition around it because it isn't a, a biblical holiday. It's not commanded, um, but it is just a great history lesson. So happy Hanukkah, many blessings to you. I, I pray that as we come to the turn of our year uh, that we observe here in the West, that you would be looking forward to all of the incredible blessings that God has already set up for you and is waiting for you to walk through with your obedience and your trust and your faith in him. And if you need anything, any prayer or have any ideas for this podcast in the new year, please reach out. All right, till next time.